0: Social media site says they a bombshell story about Biden, the ACB Democrats in the hearings, and we look at her judicial philosophy and what the Bible says about the topic. My name is Sean Clinton and this is the God Freedom Show. This show is sponsored by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. So if you wanted to really always start a podcast, but the problem is you didn't want to really spend a ton of money to get the program that you need to get, it, get your podcast on the air and everything, and plus you know buying the mic and all the equipment and stuff. Well, lucky for you, there's Anchor. Anchor is free and it's very simple to use. All you do, you just simply you can record your audio from from your computer or your cell phone. I mean you can also you can get a mic course, but it's really that simple. You can also edit it on the app or on the website, Anchor.fm. and then you know, edit post it and then also you can distribute it to many podcasts. sites like I have a podcast and Spotify. And you can monetize it by getting sponsorships or having a kind of a support little button on your kind of bio for the for your site. Definitely, check it out if you're looking to start a podcast, and it's anchor.fm. Again, it's anchor.fm. Alrighty, so I hope I wanted to have themselves a great week. Happy Saturday. Um, It'll probably actually be Sunday when I post it. But, um, yeah, we have a lot to get today, so let's just jump right into to it right here. Needless to say that the past, like, about 72 hours or so for especially social media has been quite... Interesting, quite crazy, because okay, kind of give you a backstory of where this started. So basically, um, the New York Post released a story about Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, and his deals with um, the Burisma, in kind of, which is like kind of a Ukrainian natural gas company, and his kind of secret like corrupt dealings, and that you know Joe Biden supposedly um, had a hand in it to kind of cover up for his son and all that to keep him from being prosecuted. So, I mean, there's been a lot of that speculating going on for a while. And, like, this kind of, this New York Post story is really kind of, <laughs> really just kind of <laughs> blew it apart. Not really, not really in terms of, like, just destroyed a story or anything, but it added more to the story. It's... Quite interesting, quite really interesting. So I'm going to actually read what um, these piece says right here, kind of. Not the whole thing, because it is pretty long, but kind of more the beginning parts of it. So it is titled, Smoking Gun Email Reels, How Hunter Biden Introduced Ukrainian Businessman to VP Dad. Hunter Biden introduced his father, then Vice President Joe Biden, to a top executive, a Ukrainian energy firm less than a year before the elder Biden pressured government officials to Ukraine, in Ukraine into firing a prosecutor who was investigating the company according to the emails obtained by the Post. This is the Burisma um, company That speaking of. The never before revealed the meeting is mentioned in a message of appreciation that Vadim Posarsky, I guess I'm probably butchering that really badly, an advisor to the board of Burisma, allegedly sent Hunter Biden on April 17, 2015, about a year after Hunter joined the Burisma board at a reported salary of up to $50,000 a month. Dear Hunter dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to DC and giving an opportunity given an opp- giving an opportunity to meet your father and spent and spent some time together. It's really it's sorry, it's really, goodness, what in the world kind of sorry, it's really an honor and a pleasure, the email reads. An earlier email from May 2014 also shows Posiarski, reportedly Burisma's number three executive, asking Hunter for advice on how you could use your influence on the company's behalf. The blockbuster correspondence, which fly, flies in the face of Joe Biden's claim that he's never spoken to my son about his overseas businesses, business dealings, is contained in a massive... Trove of data recovered from a, a laptop computer, and this is where the email. This is the email right earlier, right here. But it's kind of the full email. Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to DC and giving me given an opportunity to meet your father and spent spend some time together. It's really an honor and pleasure as we as we spoke um, yesterday evening evening would be great would be great to meet today for a quick for a quick coffee. What do you think? I could come to you, to to your office, somewhere around noon or so, before or on my way to airport, to the airport. Sign, or sorry, Bess V. So, first thought the English in this email is not the best, right there. The, the computer was dropped off at a repair shop in Biden's homestay of Delaware. In April 2019, according to the store's owner, other material extracted from the computer includes a raunchy 12-minute video that appears a show hunter who is admitted struggling with addiction problems smoking a crack while engaging in a sex act with an under- unidentified woman as well as numerous, other ex- sorry, <clears throat> numerous of other sexually exploited images. The customer who um, brought in the water-damaged MacBook Pro for repair never paid for the service or retrieved it or hard drive on, on which its contents were stored. According to the shop owner, who said he tried repeatedly to contact the client, the shop owner couldn't owner couldn't positively identify the customer as Hunter Biden, but said that the laptop's bore was a sticker from the Bo Biden Foundation Named after Hunter, so named after Hunter's late brother and former Delaware Attorney General. Photos of a Delaware federal subpoena given to the Post show that the computer and hard drive were seized by the FBI in December, after the shop owner says he alerted the Feds to their existence. So this like happened way back when the. Impeachment stuff was happening, so during that whole stupid ordeal with supposedly Trump Ukraine, but it turns out really it was Biden Ukraine, this whole mess of a thing. But before, but, sorry, but before turning over the gear, the shop owner says he made a copy of the hard drive and later gave it to former Mayor G, Rudy Giuliani. Law, lawyer Robert Costello. Steve Bannon, former advisor to um, President Trump, told The Post about the existence of the hard drive in late December, and Giuliani provided The Post with a copy of it on Sunday. Less than eight months after the Post-Kiesk, Postyarsky thanked Hunter Biden to, for the introduction, introduction to his dad, the then-Vice President, admittedly pressured Ukrainian President Petro Proshinko Por- and Prime Minister RNZ Arseniy Yats, Yats-, Yats- y- whatever into getting rid of of a, a prose- prosecutor general Victor Shokin by threatening to withhold 1 billion a 1 billion dollar US loan guarantee guaranteed during a December 2015 trip to kiev i looked at them and said i'm leaving in six hours if the prosecutor is not fired you're not getting the money but an me brad to the council on foreign relations to t- in 2018 so you recall back in during the vision stuff president Trump was supposed to be was supposedly being impeached for a qui quo he had with ukraine that he wanted, he withheld money bef- um, in order to get um, dirty info on Biden or something. I forget exactly what it was. But honestly, the story fell apart because there was no evidence of an actual illegal quid pro quo. But as we see with this story, this wasn't a legit, probably a legal quid pro quo. I mean, Biden's literally withheld money for Ukraine in order to fire. Before, So they can fire a prosecutor that was supposed to be prosecuting Burisma, which is the company where Hunter Biden works at. So this is a very fishy story to say the least. It's just all around just shows just an unmitigated amount of corruption and that Biden has some sort of hand in it, hand in it as well. Of course, it's not entirely verified. <clears throat> But I'm sure over time, I mean, the, the Senate Judiciary Committee has launched an investigation. <clears throat> sorry, has launched an investigation into it, into this matter, to see what exactly what exactly has happened. So, yeah, it would be very interesting to see what comes out of it. Again, it's not been verified, but it's definitely credible, quite a very credible. State, at least. and there has been some. Pieces of corroborating evidence that can't come out um, in the late. But, besides all this, this is not really the main story right now. The main story is what Twitter and Facebook has done in response to this story. It's been absolutely insane. So we have we've all know that Twitter, especially Twitter and Facebook, have been pretty biased against conservatives. Like taking conservatives off, offline for for stupid things, for very stupid things, and you know, considering content that they wouldn't otherwise censor for the other side. Right? It's, it's very obvious that this has been happening for a while. So when um the posts, um releases um piece on Twitter and on online, and everything. Twitter and Facebook decided before. Okay, keep in mind. Usually, when they have stories like this, they say, they put like a put their fact checks in on, on it and everything. But there was no fact checks or anything on it. The Biden campaign had never actually didn't deny the story. They didn't actually deny the story, but Twitter and Facebook decided to censor the story anyways. Twitter, you cannot. Post a story, at all. So, when people... First of all, when people were actually starting to post a story, there was a link. The kind of a... Telling you that this... This link could be unsafe. Keep in mind, this is a link into the New York Post, which is a mainstream news outlet. But here's what this kind of warning says. Warning, this link may be unsafe. The link you're trying to access has been identified by Twitter... Or our partners as being potentially spammy or unsafe in accordance with Twitter's URL policy. This link could fall into any of the below categories. Malicious links that could steal personal information or harm electronic devices. Spanning, spanning links that mislead people and disrupt their experience. Violent or misleading content that could lead to real-world harm certain categories of content that, if posted directly on Twitter, are are a violation of the Twitter rules. So, yeah, pretty, pretty weird stuff. And not only that, soon after that, they decided to st- ban the, po- the link all around. Like, I tried to post a link. You cannot do it. You literally cannot post a link on Twitter. And if you tried, here's what it would say. It'll show it doesn't kind of pop-up. Your tweet couldn't be sent because this link has been identified by Twitter or our partners as being potentially harmful. Visit our help center to learn more. Potentially harmful. In what way? Well, the only way it's potentially harmful is to Biden's campaign. Because this is really bad for Biden. This was always going to be bad for Biden if something like this came out. <laughs> and it is. And being that Twitter and Facebook are ran by leftists who want to see Biden win and Trump out, they didn't like the story. They didn't like the story. So decided to completely ban it and not let people see it. This is a really, really, really dangerous thing happening right here. A really dangerous thing. We... Twitter's not the only one. Facebook did the exact same thing. They literally... You you cannot distribute it, distribute the link properly. You could probably post it, but you couldn't actually... You... It, it was very... Sorry. It was censored. You, it could not be spread properly as it should. But Twitter outright banned it. And they banned people like, uh, Kimberly McEnany and, um, the Trump campaign, um, Twitter account and many others for simply posting the link. The New York Post's Twitter account is suspended. And it's still suspended today. It's absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. It just, this just tells you what exactly... Th- th- this is practically elect- election interference right here. You know, in 2016, you know, the legislative plan that Facebook was complicit in election interference... Because some random Russian trolls supposedly sent out memes and other stuff that could have swayed people's minds. That's the extent of the election interference in 2016. They were not successful. There was no proof that they were successful. But this right here, outright censoring a certain viewpoint and a certain story that could hurt a a candidate they like... This is election interference all the way around. It is, it is really dangerous, really dangerous stuff that this, these big social media, these big big tech sites, are engaging this kind of stuff. And they claim that they're all for, all for it. They're all for free speech and everything. But that's simply not the case. They're only for free speech. If it happens to agree with their certain viewpoint. So I'm going to get to what I mean in just a second. But first, you've got to go for YouTube or they God got reading blog to check it out. So not only do you get the rest of my commentary on this whole social media debacle. But also ACB and the hearings and all that mess. And also towards the end where I go over the book of John. I'll be finishing up John chapter 28 today. And also the good stuff of Bastard of the Week. And rem- remember, you can find me uh, on your favorite podcast listener sites, like podcast and Spotify. Otherwise, I'll see you next week. This is the Guide Freedom Show. All right, so let's continue on right here. So, like I said, you know, these social media sides in the left are all f- saying that they're all f- for free speech. Free speech. F- for free speech. And Donald Trump is the actual threat to free speech. When he says the media is fake news, that is a threat to the free press. How dare they? How dare he say something bad about the press? That is a threat to the free speech, for to f- the First Amendment. But these are the same people who come around come around and saying oh, let's oh, let's ban people who s- say stuff that we don't like so which leads me to this to this piece by the New York Times New York Times magazine in its title the first amendment in the age of disinformation here's what it says this summer, a bipartisan group of about a hundred acad- academics, journalists, pollsters, and former government officials, former campaign staff members convened for an initiative called the Trans- Transition Integrity Project. By video conference, they met to game out a hy- hypothetical threats hypothetical threats to the November election and a peaceful transfer of power if the Democratic candidate, former President Joe Biden, were to win. Divided into Team Trump and Team Biden, the group ran various scenarios about counting ballots, and the litigation, and protests, and the violence that could that could follow a contested election result. This the idea was to test the mission, missionary of an American democracy. Describing the results in a September third, sorry. Describing the results in a September, <laughs> goodness, gracious, describing the results in a September third essay in the Washington Post, one of the project's organizers, Rosa Brooks, a Georgia, a Georgetown law professor and Pentagon official during the Obama Obama administration, mentioned a situation in which Biden won the popular vote but, but lost in electoral electoral college. In the in that hypothetical case, desperate Democrats on Team Biden considered encouraging California and Pacific and the Pacific Northwest to threaten, to threaten secession to pressure Republicans to expand the size of the Senate. The next day, Michael Anton, a former National Security Advisor to President Trump, published an article about the Transition Integrity Project. Called the Coming Coop. Democrats were laying the groundwork for revolution, Anton wrote without evidence in the American mind. In a publication of the Claremont Institute, he warned about that the ballast harvested lawfully or not could tip close states divided. By by mid-September, Anton's article was one of the most shared links in extremist online communities, according to a newsletter published by the Institute of Strategic Dialogue, a think tank based in London. Dan Baggino, a podcaster and Trump supporter, covered Anton's essay, The Imagine Coop, in several videos, with one tad, They are telling you what they are going to do, just two of the videos pulled, and at least 6 million views. On September 9th, a post appeared on Revolver News, a new right-wing website. It claimed without evidence that one participant in the Transition Integrity Project, Norm Eason, who served as a counsel for the Democrats on the House Judiciary Committee during the impeachment proceedings, was a central operative in a color revolution against Trump, a term term for uprisings. That have toppled governments in countries like Georgia and Ukraine. Trump tweeted and praised the revolver news a few days later. On September 15th, Fox News host Tucker Carlson had on had on the show Darren Beatty, a former Trump speechwriter who was fired after reports surfaced that he attended a gathering of white nationalists in 2016, who, and who had warned about Easton in the color in a color revolution. Two days later, Trump tweeted that the November election result may never actually may never actually be may never be accurately determined, which is what some want, generating tens of thousands of interactions on Twitter and a round of news coverage about one of the fears that the transition integrity project sought to address that Trump could refuse to accept the results of the election. These come from the same people, by the way, who have refused to accept the results of the 2016 election. All told, in September, the coup fabrication was shared more than 100,000 times from, from public Facebook pages generating many, many millions of interactions and video views, according to the data sourced by crowdtangle alongside bajino and fox news there were small drivers of traffic like long islands for trump and the sound majority group and a county republican organization in oregon as well as a private groups with tens sorry private groups with thousands of members that crowdtangle doesn't capture by the end of the month, the fraction of Republicans who, who were not confident that the election will be conducted in a fair, equal way is 65 percent higher than higher than it was for independents or Democrats, in an NBC News survey monkey poll. This poll, sorry, this month, Trump retweeted, retweeted response to Republican member of Congress Mark Green, who suggested who, who suggested that Speaker Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi. Could stage Coop. The United States is in a in the middle of a catastrophic public health crisis caused by the spread of the coronavirus. It, but it is also in a midst of an information crisis caused by the spread of viral disinformation defined about as falsehoods aimed at achieving a political goal. Misinformation um, refers to more generally to fa- falsehoods. Seven months into the pandemic in America, with Trump leading the way, coronavirus skeptics continued to mock masks and incorrectly equate the virus with a flu. Yeah, whatever, I'm not going to get into that right now. Throughout the campaign se- season, Trump and other Republicans have prompted, promoted false narrative about widespread voter fraud. fraud-, fraud. Which General William Barr, as, a, as the country's top law enforcement official, official fur, further in his September interview on CNN, that he would, when he said someone in Texas has indicated, for film, has was indicted for filing out seventeen hundred ballots for other people, which never happened. As fires tore through California and the Pacific Northwest last month. The president cast out cast doubt on the science behind global warming, and people in Oregon defied, defied evacuation orders because of false rumors that Antifa and loose term for left wing aftists were setting the blazes and looting empty homes. Okay, first off, he wasn't actually denying the science behind global warming or anything. What he was actually saying what was actually true. If the real reason for these wildfires in California is because of forest mis- mismanagement, it's nothing to do with global warming. The conspiracy theories and the lies and distortions, the overwhelming amount of information, the anger encoded in it, they, these all serve to create chaos and confusion that make people, even nonpartisans, exhausted, exhausted, skeptical, and cynical about politics. The spewing the falsehoods isn't meant to win any battle of ideas. Its goal is to prevent the actual battle from being fought by causing us to simply give up. And the problem isn't just the internet or a working, pa- a working paper from the Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society Har- uh, at Harvard released earlier this month found the, that effective disinformation campaigns are often an elite-driven, mass-media-led process in which Social media played a only secondary and supportive role. Trump's election put him in the in, in the position to operate directly through Fox News and other conservative outlets like Rush Limbaugh's Rush Limbaugh's talk radio show, which has become a function in effect as a party press. The Harvard researchers found the false story about Democrats plotting the coup spread through. A typical feedback loop. Links from Fox News hosts to other right wing, right ring, wing figure finger, figures aligned with Trump, like Pugino, often dominate the top links in Facebook's news feed for likes, comments, shares in the United States. Through Fox News, is a, though Fox News is smaller than Facebook or the social media platform, has helped Fox attain the highest weekly reach offline and on, online combined of any single news source in the United States, according to a 2020 report by the Reuters Institute. It's an article of faith in the United States more, that more speech better is better than the government, and that the government should regulate it as little as possible. But increasingly, scholars of constitutional law, as well as social scientists, are beginning to question that we may, that we have come to think about the First Amendment, the way we have come to think about the First Amendment's guarantee of free speech. They think our formulations are simplistic, and especially inadequate for our era. Since a ship of external critics by the government remains a serious threat throughout Threat under authoritarian re- regimes, but in the United States and uh, other democracies, there is a different kind of threat, which may be doing more damage to the discourse about politics and news si- and news and science. It encompasses the mass distortion of truth, overwhelming and overwhelming the voice of speech from the extremists to smear, that smear and distract. This, concerns, this concern spans the ideological spectrum. Along with the disinformation campaigns, there is a separate problem with troll armies—a flood of commoners, often propelled by bots, that aim to discredit or destroy the reputation of a disfavored speaker, disfavored speakers, and to encourage them from speaking again. Jack Goldsmith, a conservative law professor at Harvard, writes in a essay by, in the. Perlius Papa Square, a book edited by David E. Posen, that was published this year. This tactic this tactic to, to may be directed by those in power. Either way, it's often grimly grimly effective at muting critical voices and yet as as Tim Wu, a progressive law professor at Columbia points out in the same book. The use of speech and as a tool to suppress speech is, by its nature, something very challenging for the First Amendment to deal with. These scholars argue something that may seem unsettling to Americans, that perhaps our way of thinking about free speech is, is not the best way. At the very least, we should understand that it is, isn't the only way. Other democracies in Europe and elsewhere have taken a different approach. Despite moral regulations on speech, these countries remain democratic. Okay? And in fact, they have created better conditions for the citizenry citizenry, to sort what's true from what's not and to make informed decisions about what they want their societies to be. Here in the United States, meanwhile, we're drowning in lies. This right here it's dangerous. Because who decides that what is true and what is false? That's the question right here. And the whole idea of really, they're kind of really painting the picture that it's all the right-wing doing the misinformation. That the left is clean as the drift snow, and that they're the truth tellers. And that if they change the way free speech works, that they can limit the falsehoods or the right-wing view... Instead settle for the truth, which is a left-wing view, according to them. This is very dangerous stuff. And for people who are supposedly first, second, pro-First Amendment, this is very anti-First Amendment. And the idea that, oh, there, I mean, other countries do it, do regulate speech, but they're still a democracy. They identify as a democracy, but people being arrested in England... For saying a man is a man and a woman is a woman. That's not democracy. That's dictatorship. That's tyranny. That, that, that is wrong on so many levels. It is. This is really. Frightening stuff right here. Really frightening stuff. Seriously. It's just. It is absolutely insane. Just to see. And you could see this echoed. In social media just by the way they are treating the story. Again, this story has not been reported false by the you know, so-called fact checkers or anything. They just outright banned it. Again, they outright banned it. Which is very dirty stuff. And the left and the media completely cheered it. And here's a Biden press secretary saying that Twitter's response to the actual article makes it clear that these purported allegations are false. So them banning the article clearly just shows that they're false. Okay, here's, here's a video of that right here.
1: I would also want to ask you, um, Twitter has been under a little bit of fire for blocking tweets connected to this recent New York Post article um, about Hunter Biden's connections in Ukraine and Joe Biden's alleged involvement when he was vice president. Uh, what is your campaign response to this article? And do you think that Twitter is doing the right thing here?
0: Well, look, um, I, uh, I think Twitter's response to the actual uh, uh, article itself uh, makes clear that these uh, you know, purported allegations are false uh, and they're not true. Uh, and glad to see, you know, to see, uh, you know um, social media companies like Twitter taking responsibility to limit misinformation. So he's glad to see Twitter take a responsibility to limit limit misinformation. But who decides what's misinformation? I mean, something could be completely true, completely true, and the left decided, oh, don't like it, and let's ban it. And this, this policy is nowhere near, like, equally um, acted on, (laughs) nowhere near, nowhere near equally acted on. So you have, like, stories about, you know, in the Atlantic, about Trump saying that soldiers at Arlington Cemetery are losers and not heroes or anything. But that story was debunked. Completely debunked. And the Atlantic article is still up. And the, and the and Democrats are still running with that. Still running with it. It is completely insane. And, you know, for a while, I've been, you know, just really, I've been anti-government interference into social media sites. But I am still am. I don't trust the government to actually fix the problem. But something really has to be done. Like, something about maybe with the two or three, like, the little, uh... Whatever the legal, the law, or that makes like social media sites able to perform like they do, so that needs to be revised somehow. Because like this right here cannot go on; it cannot go on, and eventually it will bleed into the government, into U.S. government. If the right person gets in power, if not like, not necessarily Biden, but if like Kamala Harris becomes president, that can be. Really dangerous. Dangerous, especially if she wants social media sites to be under her wing. All right. So now let's move on to the other kind of news of the week. So the other news of the week is um, involves um, Amy Coney Barrett, who was you know did the hearings, the confirmation hearings this week, and you know they were pretty interesting for the most part. Democrats were really fools, fools all throughout, but I had to admit they were pretty careful on how they acted because of their debacle with Kavanaugh a couple years ago. So they didn't go full crazy, but there was some craziness that happened. So the first one I want to start with is this tweet. This is by someone named, like, his Twitter handle Tabitha. 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 Okay, so in you know it's called hashtag vote early, a vote and hashtag vote early, whatever. Um, basically, basically here is what this person tweeted out right here. Child Protective Services need to do a wellness check on the on them kids to make sure they are not slaves in captivity. It already looks like they only have a set of dress up, only have a, on a set of up clothes while others have different outfits. So in a couple pictures right here you'll see you know they have two adopted children and as you can see in um both pictures the son the adopted son is wearing two different suits in both pictures so that doesn't make sense but their adopted daughter is wearing a the same dress I was unaware that was a sign of slavery. I was unaware of that maybe she likes that dress. It's not like they're in thermometric or anything. Maybe like she simply likes that dress. I never thought of that. But really, the hearings were a real mess, for Democrats at least. I mean, Amy Coney Barrett really, ACB really handled herself really well and yes I say the ACB there's really people freaking out saying don't you dare use ACB for her initials are used for only people who make a difference like Ruth Bader Ginsburg okay that doesn't make sense but whatever ACB like initials are used for people for names that are very long so Anthony could have is very long to write on, like, paper or anything, to constantly write on paper if you're writing something. So ACP makes it easier. Anyways, let's move on to the hearings. So the hearings happened for about four, Monday through Thursday. And again, the Democrats didn't go full crazy, but there were some crazy moments. So here is a, um, this is, I think, the opening day for the Confirmation hearing hearings for Imogene Barrett. This is Amy Klobuchar, and this is her rant about Trump at is hearing. Because for whatever reason, Trump is a big part of it. is um big It's a big topic of it. So here is her kind of rant right here.
1: My mom, a second grade teacher, spent her life teaching little kids what was right or wrong, what was true or false. I still believe it matters, and so do the American people. But we are dealing with a president who doesn't think truth matters. And he has allies in Congress who, in the past, defended our democracy, but are now doing his bidding. Senators who clearly set out that the president, a precedent that the president in an election year should wait, that we should have an election, and that then The people choose the president, and the president chooses the nominee. That was your precedent. It has been said that the wheels of justice turn slowly. And justice, on the other hand, can move at lightning speed, as we are seeing here today. We cannot, and you watching at home should not, separate this hearing from the moment we are in and from the judge he is trying to rush through. To respond to Senator Cruz, this isn't a rush to justice. This is a rush to put in a justice, a justice whose views are known and who will have a profound impact on your life. And yes, these policies that the court decides, they matter. Where you can go to school, who you can marry, decisions you can make about your own body, and yes, your health care. The president knows this. We have a president who has refused to commit to a peaceful transfer of power after an election. Every candidate does that, but not this guy. We have a president who has fired or replaced five inspector generals, Senator Grassley, who has fired an attorney general, an FBI director, and is now going after their replacements. We have a president who divides our country each and every day. He has called our military suckers and losers. He's refused to condemn white supremacists, and he has the gall to hold up a Bible as a prop in front of a church instead of heeding its words to act justly. And now he says this election will end up in court. Why, Senator Cruz, does President Trump matter? he is putting the supreme court in place in his words to quote look at the ballots end quote well i won't concede that this election is headed to the court because you know at home exactly what the president is up to that's why you're voting that's why you are voting in droves why are you voting well you know that your rights your health your health care is on the line you know that they are trying to push through a justice who has been critical of upholding the Affordable Care Act, and they're doing it in the middle of a pandemic. And you can see here in this room, the misplaced priorities of this Republican-run Senate. And it's in your hands to change it. Well,
0: that was, I just seem to say at least, <laughs> right there. So, anyways, let's, um, yeah, her whole thing about, you know, Trump refusing to get condemn white supremacy, which is not true, and everything, it just, it's a complete mess. Complete and utter mess right there. So, next clip I want to show is a kind of a compilation of, this is from day two, actually. This is kind of a compilation of highlights of, from, again, day two about the, report, the questions and what, um... Sorry, ACB said in response. And here is the video right here.
2: You said you're an originalist. Is that true? What does that mean in English?
3: So, in English, that means that I interpret the Constitution as a law, that I interpret its text as text and I understand it to have the meaning that it had at the time people ratified it. Okay. So that meaning doesn't change over time and it's not up to me to update it or infuse my own policy views into it.
2: Justice Scalia, he was an originalist, right?
3: Yes, he was.
2: People say that you're a female Scalia. What would you say?
3: I would say that Justice Scalia was obviously a mentor. And as I said, um, in the, when I accepted the president's nomination, that his philosophy is mine too. But I want to be careful to say that if I'm confirmed, you would not be getting Justice Scalia, you would be getting Justice Barrett.
2: In Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey, Justice Scalia, as was said uh, earlier, joined the dissent, which took the position. And I quote, we believe that Roe was wrongly decided and that it can and should be overruled consistent with our traditional approach to stare decisis and constitutional cases. Do you agree with Justice Scalia's view that Roe was wrongly decided?
3: So, Senator, I do want to be forthright and answer every question so far as I can. I think on that question, I, you know, I'm going to invoke Justice Kagan's description, which I think is um, perfectly put. When she was in her confirmation hearing, she said, That she was not going to grade precedent or give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down and i think in an area where precedent continues to be pressed and litigated as is true of casey it would be particularly um it would actually be wrong and a violation of the canons for me to do that as a sitting judge Um, so if if i express a view on a precedent one way or another whether i say i love it or i hate it it signals to litigants that i might tilt one way or another in a pending case
2: so on something that is really a major cause with major effect on over half of the population of this country, who are women after all, it's, it's distressing not to get a straight
1: answer. So- uh, the Democrats claim that you're being put on the Supreme Court so you can vote to repeal the Affordable Care Act is that your agenda if confirmed is your goal repealing the affordable care act have you committed to the president or anyone else that you will vote to repeal the affordable care act if confirmed by uh, to the court
3: absolutely not i was never asked and if i had been that would have been a short conversation
0: have you seen the george floyd video
3: i have
1: what impact did it have on you
3: um senator as you might imagine given that I have two black children. That was very, very personal for my family. And my 17-year-old daughter, Vivian, who's adopted from Haiti, um, all of this was erupting. It was very difficult for her. Um, We wept together in my room. And then it was also difficult for my daughter, Juliet, who's 10. I had to try to explain some of this to them. I mean, my children to this point in their lives have had the benefit of growing up in a cocoon where they have not yet experienced hatred or violence um and for vivian you know to understand that there would be a risk to her brother or the son she might have one day of that kind of brutality has been an ongoing conversation it's a difficult one for us like it is for americans all over the country i'd like to ask you as an originalist who obviously has a passion for history, I can't imagine that
0: you could separate the two, to reflect on the history of this country. Where are we today when it comes to the issue of race?
3: So, So, I think it is an entirely uncontroversial and obvious statement given, as we just talked about the George Floyd video, that racism persists in our country as to putting my finger on the nature of the problem you know whether as you say it's just outright or systemic racism or how to tackle the the issue of making it better those things you know are policy questions they're hotly contested policy uh, questions that have been in the news and discussed all summer so while you know as i did share my personal experience i'm very You know happy to discuss that the reaction our family had to the george floyd video giving broader statements or making you know broader diagnoses about the problem of racism is kind of beyond what i'm capable of doing as a judge
0: all right and really good for her and her kind of response to these questions and everything I mean, this was I was in the whole the whole thing the other day, but it kind of gives you an idea of what was asked to her and everything and how she handled it. And again, the Democrats didn't go full crazy but there were some crazy moments like Booker like Klobuchar was saying that you know the American people should decide that in order to decide on who gets to be the new justice. Again it's nothing constitutional about that it's something unconstitutional about the president nominating in the, in the Senate confirming justice right now in the election. So that's just completely crazy right there. But again, really good for her in her response. And I really want to kind of focus on her judicial philosophy and kind of what she believes. So as she, as she um, was asked by Senator Elizabeth Graham at the beginning of what her judicial philosophy is, She said, you know, she's an originalist, which is basically an originalist is someone who interprets the law or the Constitution as it was written at the time. And that's exactly how and what a justice or judge should be, especially today. The problem is the left has decided that that's that's not a good, that's that's horrible, that's a bad thing. You should decide on a case based off of what you're feeling, what you feel the Constitution says. That's how we got Plessy versus Ferguson. That's how we got Roe versus Wade. I mean, really, Roe versus Wade is nothing in the Constitution that says abortion is protected. It's nothing in the Constitution that suggested that we should be separate in equal, separate but equal facilities with segregation. There's nothing in the Constitution about that. But the left for years has decided that that's what exactly the, the Supreme Court is made to do. To be a, a policymaker, pretty much. But in Kinabarit has said, I'm not a policymaker. I'm a religionist. I'm, I'll interpret the Constitution as it was written. I'm not a policymaker. But, of course, the, on, the originalist's idea is foreign to the left and actually evil, according to the left. So this is Representative Barbara Lee. Um, she's from one second. She's in, um, Oakland, California. She's um, representative of California, and here is what she had to say about originalness. An originalist reading of the Constitution would disqualify Judge Barrett or any woman on, from serving on the Supreme Court for or from owning any owning property or voting. Originalism is a cover for deeply unpopular and undemocratic policies, not some kind of serious judicial philosophy. This is a representative of the United States. A representative of the United States. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's not, no. Originalism is a judicial philosophy. It has been for years before the United States. And interprets, you know, the law fairly and how it was written. And I have come to some barrier that, you know, she will be fair like and in her decisions. She won't vote or decide based on what she's feeling. Which is exactly what a judge should be. Which is very is very biblical. It's actually, really, is how what the Bible says about, you know, applying... Justice equally and everything. So let's jump into scripture and see what actually it says about it. So, let's first, let's go to Deuteronomy 25, verse 20, sorry, chapter 25, verses 1 through 2. Suppose two people take a dispute to, the, to court. And the judges declare that the one is that one is right and the other is wrong. If the person in the wrong is sentenced to be flogged. The judge must command him to lie down and be beaten in his presence with the number of latches appropriated, appropriated to the crime, but never give him give more than forty latches, For forty latches will publicly humiliate, humiliate your neighbor. So basically what it's saying is that, you know, with a judge, you know, they'll, a good judge will appropriately and fairly decide who is right and wrong. And the ones who are wrong will be dealt with appropriately in that. And really, this is how a judge should be. They're supposed to be fair and impartial in their dealings. So let's jump to 2nd Chronicles uh, 19, 5 through 7. He appointed judges throughout, throughout the nation in all, for, all the fortified towns. And he said to them, always think carefully before pronouncing judgment remember that you do not judge people but to please do not judge to please people but to please the lord he will be with you when you you render the verdict in in each case fear the lord and judge with integrity for the for the lord our god does not tolerate imperverted justice partiality or taking or taking of bribes so that again just highlights you know Again with a judge, and this applies to all judges, all not just Supreme Court. With a judge implied when initiating justice, they're supposed to be their goal is to not please people, to not be partial, to please God and, and, and all of that. So again now let's jump to Leviticus nineteen fifteen. Do not twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor or being partial to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly. This kind of really applies to, you know, the Supreme Court justice as well. They're not to design the cases in favor of others over other people. This is not, not exactly what the left believes that the, you know, the, Supreme Court is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a branch of government that does their bidding. That does what they feel is right. You know, Barrett said that the Supreme Court is not made to right everybody's wrongs. Everybody freaked out about that. And she's right. The Supreme Court is not there to right everybody's wrongs. That is not the purpose of the Supreme Court. And finally, let's jump to... Romans, Romans 2. So, um, with kind of, with, ju- with, you know, justices and judges and everything, even though, you know, they can try to apply fairly, you know, concise and partial. There will be times where they mess up, of course, because you know they're they're humans. They're they're we're human beings, flawed, sinful human beings, human beings who mess up a lot, a lot. But thankfully, there's one judge who is perfectly perfectly righteous all the time, who will judge correctly in each case, who will correctly punish those, or sorry. Who incredibly give justice to those, and um, who deserve it? I think this is God. He is the right ju- righteous, the the perfectly righteous judge. In Romans two eleven, it says, "For God does not show favoritism; He does not show partiality to uh, to in His judgment. He is the true judge." And that's why, really, when it comes down to it. We deserve his punishment. We deserve his judgment. And he's perfectly just to really wipe us out like that. That's perfectly ju- just for him. But thankfully, he didn't because he's a merciful God. And he sent Jesus to earth in order, and, and those who believe him, in order to die on the cross and be resurrected, and those who believe in him will no longer. Be seen as. <clears throat> no longer be. You know. Be seen as righteous in front of God. And we always. Need to be thankful for that. Christians really need to be thankful for that. Every single day that we have. A, when we see these ju- judges. And justices That do the wrong things. And decide on cases wrong. And, and, and do it partially. In favor of someone. We gotta remember that you know they're human beings like us, they're not perfect, they're influenced by the world, that like we can be too, but God is the perfect just judge, and that He will ignite the perfect justice when the time comes. Alrighty, so now let's move on to the book of John now, the Gospel of John. So we are in um, um, verse 19. We're going to be finishing up um, chapter 20 today. And remember, you can follow me along if you want, and I'll be in the New Living Translation. Okay. That's 70. Sorry. Um, Jesus appears to his disciples. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you," he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy, and when he saw the Lord again, he said, peace be, "Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sen- sending. So I'm sending you." Then he breathed on them and said. Breed on them and said, "Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you if you do not forgive them, they are not f- forgiven." <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus appears to Thomas, one of the twelve disciples. Thomas, nicknamed the Twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. So they t- so they told him, "We have seen the Lord." But he replied, "I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds." in his his hands, and put my fingers into them, and placed my hand into the wound on on his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, look at my hands. Put your finger into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless in any any longer believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told them, You believe because you have seen. Blessed are the blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The purpose of the book The Disciples saw Jesus do many miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that you're that by believing in him, you will have the life by have life by by the power of his name. Alrighty. So so next so next week I'm gonna be I think I'll just finish up yeah, John next week. This is about when Jesus appears to seven of the disciples. going to sound Peter and everything. That's going to be very cool to go through. So, yeah, we're pretty much at the end of John, which is pretty great. So we've been doing this for a while. And I think we're going to go into the Acts next. Alrighty, so now let's move on to the good stuff and bad stuff of the week. So this good stuff of the week. Um, this show right here that you know, we've watched recently and it's very good. I wasn't expecting it to be good, but I actually sat down and watched it and I said, like, Oh goodness, it's actually really good. So this is Kubrickai, which is kind of the sequel series to the Karnakid. Um the original Karate Kid series trilogy. It is really good. It is actually really, really, really good. So here is kind of a quick little trailer of it right here. Here's the video right here.
2: I, Daniel LaRusso here for LaRusso Auto. <laughs> we are chopping prices on all of our inventory. Yeah. Johnny? I knew it was you. This is Johnny Lawrence. He and I we go way back. Oh, this is a guy who's ashy-caked. <laughs> if you want to get technical, i kicked kick this face. <laughs> hey, where you going? Oh, I didn't know you guys were trying to buy beer. I'm... Oh. <laughs> you go? Hey! Watch your car, man. Get the hell out of here, loser. <laughs> Is that like Taekwondo or something? It's karate. Do you
3: think you could teach me?
2: I'm driving home from work yesterday, and in this strip mall, I see. After 30 years, I thought that guy might've changed, but he's still the same prick. I heard you beat up a bunch of teenagers. I didn't beat up any teenagers. (laughs) I kicked the crap out of a bunch of assholes who deserved it. Thinks he can bring Cobra Kai back to the valley? Not on my watch. You want those kids at school to keep dumping things on your head? You want all the girls to think you're a wangless dork? You're gonna be my karate teacher?
0: No. I'm gonna be your sensei.
2: I'm gonna teach you the style of karate that was taught to me. A method of fighting your pansy ass, Generation Desperately Needs. Okay, let's see what you got. She's a girl, And?
0: I'm sorry. Uh, Are you okay? uh, uh,
2: uh, Girl's a natural cobra. Johnny, you and I, this, we aren't done.
0: Again, this is a really, really good series. And like if you want to check it out is on um it's on a YouTube kind of original show. Which is very cool that YouTube is actually making quality shows. Cool but anyways, it's really good. Really, 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 really good. And it's I keep making this a joke that this is what this Cobra Kai in Creed, which is in you know, the spinoff sequel series to Rocky. This, that's what the Star Wars sequel trilogy should have been this like they should have took a notes from creative cover guy all the way around but yeah it's again check it out it's on YouTube originally I think you can get um it's on YouTube red so really you can get like YouTube premium um properly to actually, actually watch it fully or you can probably maybe buy it on it w- or whatever Um... And for those who still have Netflix, you haven't canceled it yet, it is on there too, so, again, check it out, though. Alrighty, so, I uh, think that's all for a half for today, so I'll be back here next week with all the latest. My name is Sean Clinton, and this is The Guide to Freedom Show. If you enjoyed this episode of The Guide to Freedom Show, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Remember, you can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Thank you for listening or watching.